Welcome back to the Stock Market Option Trading Podcast. My name is Eric, and in this episode, I'm back with another edition of the Stock Market Startup Series I've been doing here over the last several weeks, where I interview founders and developers of stock market applications all over the place. It's some great stuff. And in this episode, I got to speak with developer Brian Karen, who's created a stock market prediction tool called Magic 8-Ball. Now, as an SPX Zero DTE trader, I found this tool very interesting because the predictions it makes are for short duration and also end of day closes. So I invited Brian on to discuss the components that go into the predictions. It's not just <laughs> magic uh, eight ball type predictions. There's actually a lot of math behind the scenes. So I wanted to get under the hood there. We're going to talk about what goes into the predictions, the technical challenges of building a tool like this, as well as the future plans for Magic 8-Ball. Now I'm gonna place a couple links in the description of the video. One is a video that talks through all a lot of the things we're gonna talk about here, but there's some visual elements. So if you're interested in learning more, I definitely would go check out the video. And I'm also gonna put a link to his free Discord. There's a free version of the tool. If you just wanna check it out and see it in real time, You'll be able to do that there. Now, keep in mind, neither Brian nor I are financial advisors, and everything on this podcast is for informational or educational purposes only. Now, let's get into the show. All right, I have Brian Karens on with me today. Thanks for joining me. How, how's it going? I'm going pretty good. How are you? Very cool. Um, so you've you built something that's super interesting to me and really kind of up my alley um, around an SPX uh, prediction tool. And you call it Magic 8-Ball, which I think is an awesome name. And we'll probably get into that. I, I, I'm i assuming, you know, you and I are probably the same age. So that was like an actual toy we played <laughs> with. Is that is that the case? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, being a computer programmer, you try to give your project a name, something you can remember. So when you're in your ocean of projects, you can go, oh, yeah, I was working on XYZ. So, you know, like you're just thinking the little Magic 8-Ball, you shake it up and it says, you know, the answer is maybe or probably no or yeah, most yeah, definitely. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And I think, you know, it's funny because once I dived um, or once I dove into your tool, it it made total sense. You know, I was like, oh, that's exactly what that is. It's 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 like <laughs> probably yes or yeah, probably yes. chances are it's no or, or whatever. So I thought that was um, pretty cool. But So before we get into the tool and stuff, can you just give me a little bit about your background, um, what you do and and a little bit how you got into finance and options? Oh gosh, I am <clears throat> I am not a finance and option person. Uh, I'm actually real heavy in cybersecurity and computer programming. Okay. Um I'm one of those weird guys. <clears throat> excuse me, springtime allergies, but I'm one of those weird guys that when you walk around my house there's like no webcams at all and if something's built in it's got like duct taped over it just cuz right. I don't okay. trust technology <laughs> cuz it's what I do for a living. Gotcha. Um it was around COVID-19 and you know, everybody's sitting at home watching Netflix and you can only do that for so long. So I started getting into different YouTube and investing and saying, you know, what can I do with my time that's productive? And I came across all these options trading videos and I've always been like a buy and hold kind of guy where I'll buy like Apple and just hold it forever. So I'm like, what is options? And I tried it. And my first trade, I won like 50 bucks. I was like, Hey, this is awesome. And my <laughs> second trade, I lost like 200 bucks. And I'm like, <laughs> this is not awesome. What's yeah. going on here? So it just kind of drove me to look at it from like a computer perspective of, you know, you've got all these and I won't go into it, but you got like all these indicators like RSI and MACD. Mm -hmm. How do these work and why do they work? It's interesting that I, I've talked about this before in other episodes that there's a lot of computer technical type workers that 
get attracted to options. Right. Um, and I think there, there's a math element to that. So I, I wasn't in cybersecurity, but I was in network administration and virtualization. So I was okay, like a Cisco cool. networking guy for a long time, which there was a little bit of security there, but I, I, I was a little bit more older school and was switching and routing type of stuff. And um, so I, I think there's definitely uh, an element of, um, and math's probably the easiest <laughs> word to throw at it, but is that what got you sort of interested in and in try to understand the options market? Because I know we're going to get into the tool and there's some things about gamma and interest. Like, I guess right. I want to know how you got into that. You know, usually there's maybe a mentor education. So you did you you were just bored on COVID and and hopped on YouTube and went into a hole. Is that how is that how it went? Well, it, it kind of started with well, exactly that. I went to YouTube and of course you know, during COVID, you go into YouTube, type in options training, there's a billion videos and everybody's trying to sell you their secret sauce and their method. And, um, everything that I watched on YouTube was just dead wrong. And I'm not like knocking anybody. It just didn't make sense to me. I would, I'd watch their video and I tried to emulate what they're doing. And I just couldn't from a newbie perspective. And, you know, going into options trading is very daunting because there's all this information you got to know up front. And so I started looking at, you look at the chart, it's going up. Logic would say it's going to keep going up. And then suddenly it drops down, you know, 50 mm-hmm. to a hundred dollars. And you're like, why did that just happen? You know, all the indicators are saying up what's driving that. So I did join a few groups. I think the very first one I joined, oh man, you're racking my memory here was Ernie with zero DTE. Mm-hmm. And he kind of specializes in butterflies Yeah, and he does volume profiling and I won't give away his secrets, but he really, really believes volume is the key. And then I switched from earning to Axe Options um, with Ariane. She's got a huge following on YouTube. Yeah. Those yeah, folks. I've seen, I've seen both of their videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They are very heavy into not just volume, but also like gamma and what market trends are doing, especially like the Fed news and stuff. Yeah. Um, super shout out to them. Great, great group of folks. It's kind of like my second home away from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I'm not in my own Discord, I'm actually in Axe asking questions and they're super polite and they're always answering me, even when I have the dumbest questions. Nice. And then lately I've been in with uh, Vance Lorne and Halcyon from By the Numbers. Vance is one of those guys that just like a 10 minute conversation with him blew my mind. I had no concept of levels or um, like uh, buying and selling pressure or anything like that or zones. And he, you know, just 10 minute conversation with him and the By the Numbers folks. And I'm like, I've designed this all wrong. I need to redesign this whole thing. So it's really what it boils down to is you're right. You got to find the right people. And that's, you know, some of these groups are good. Some of them are bad, but the ones that I've found are really good. So I just try to like emulate what they're doing Mm. and then translate that into code. Gotcha. I think also it's pretty, the the people that you've mentioned, I don't know about Vance, but I've, I've seen X or Arian's videos and, and Ernie's. And I think zero DTE is really kind of its own niche because there's traditionally when you learn about options, it's more about theta and time decay and um, that type of stuff. But when you get into uh, the closer to get to expiration, um, yeah, theta is there, uh, but but you'll notice that they they actually don't decay very fast. <laughs> they don't decay very evenly. Right, right. And there's a lot more gamma and other. Um, aspects. And then in this particular market, the, the way it's been the last year, it's just like all over the place with the bear market and Fed, like you said, Fed announcements. And absolutely. Yeah. And really, um, I, I've spent a lot of time this past, I don't know, six months, a year 
learning more about um, gamma exposure and um, hedging or market makers hedging about what they have to do to hedge options positions. And so the whole landscape's really changed. And um, so it's, it's, it's cool to see how different people are uh, handling that or treating that or what they focus on. Um, so what, what inspired you to uh, build Ma- magic eight ball? It was just, you were like, okay, you, you've learned a little bit of secrets or metrics that other people are watching. And you were just like, let me see what I can do. Is that how you ended up or um, kind of? Yeah. So the very first versions of magic eight ball was literally a spreadsheet. It was me dumping the entire options chain from thinkorswim into open office, which if you don't know what that is, is kind of like an open source version of Excel Okay. and just going, you know, why did the price just jump from here to here? Or why did like um, X options, they put out these, you know, you know, we're going to sell at this level. And, you know, why did they pick that level? Mm-hmm. And, you know, some people are very open about what they do. Axe example is very open. Uh, Bands is very open. Ernie's very open. That's why I attracted those people. But some folks like, especially on YouTube, you have no idea what their methodology is. So just kind of, you know, deconstructing this from a computer standpoint. And I kind of found that there's, uh, and we can get into it later if you want, but there's like four pillars to this really. There's like volume, gamma, delta, and open interest. And those are kind of the fundamental drivers of what pushes the market. And I I have a hard time explaining this, but it's like, think of the price as just a straight line. And then you've got all these people playing tug of war with it. And they're trying to pull it in their own specific directions, being up or down. And then you have the winners and the losers. And I was just trying to figure that out. What drives that price from a math standpoint? Gotcha. And when you say volume, I, I want to... I guess one question I had, um, because SPX itself doesn't have volume. Are you referring to volume, like volume pro I know there's volume profile, like market profile of price action, or is that something else? So I'm, I'm pulling all the data directly from the broker's APIs. Uh, so for example, thinkorswim, Mm -hmm. when you pull SPX from their API, it doesn't look any different than Tesla or Apple. It has volume. It has all the Greeks and everything in it. So while SPX doesn't exactly have true volume, it actually has tick data that emulates that volume. And that's why I focused on SPX because um, one of the things that I've specialized in the past is deconstructing or reverse engineering software. So if you look at SPX as a calculated index, it's like the perfect thing to start with because it is calculated. And if something's calculated, you can reverse that calculation back to its base metrics. And that's when I started discovering I hate using the word discovering because other people thought of this long before I was mm-hmm. born, but that's yeah. when I started discovering volume and gamma and Delta and all that. It started just making sense to me. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about the tool. Um, and just for listeners, you, you did a great video on all of this. And so I know this may be a little bit over, over, um, over your head, just from an audio perspective, but there's a great video. I'm going to put the link in the description of the podcast for those who want to go check out the video. I think, the visualization you've done makes a lot of sense, uh, but I, I would like to talk through it. So can you just talk through what the Magic 8-Ball tool does and, and what it's comprised of? Sure. So um, like I said, the, the earlier versions was just a spreadsheet. Then I got super fancy and I got into artificial intelligence and machine learning and found out that was just rubbish. Um, that explains why a lot of the algo traders aren't making a lot of money. Hmm. Sorry, guys. It's just true. Yeah. Um, Man, that's so a whole other topic that we should get into. <laughs> yeah. I'm probably going to get some hate mail on that, but yeah, yeah. Um, 
So I went back to the basics and this is why I kept referring back to those other groups because I looked at, you know, if you don't know what you're doing, you need to find people that do. And so it emulates professional traders and what they look at. So like the four pillars volume, for example, um, earning zero DTE, he really believes in volume and volume is a great indicator of where that market's going. I'm sure everybody listening is like, well, duh, no kidding. But then you have things like gamma and delta. So gamma, of course, would be like your gamma exposure. That is a good indicator of where the market wants to go. And I'm actually working on like an internal thinkorswim indicator that sits right on the options chain. I think you've probably seen screenshots in my Discord of it hmm. where it's actually highlighting. This is where Gex is saying it's going to go. So you'll have interesting. Yeah, it's kind of creepy to watch the price. Oh, so it'll, it'll show right on the option chain, huh? Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. And, yeah, sign me up. I want to see it. All right. Um, I can probably just throw more screenshots out there or do a live share, but um, yeah. And then there's uh, what we call DEX or Delta exposure. It's something that mm-hmm. we're working on. There's a guy in our group named Sheepdog. I don't know his real name. Yeah. <laughs> Super smart guy. Don't you he love does Discord? This. Don't you love it? Twitter, <laughs> yeah, Discord, love the, the names are but hilarious. He does a live stream on Excel and we've been working together on some of these algorithms because we're thinking the same thing. We're chasing the same problem. So we're actually exchanging these algorithms back and forth a live stream on Gex and Delta and we're kind of like competing on who could be the most accurate, mm-hmm. but then there's interest and then interest is, you know, what are people interested in? So then you got your volume, your gamma, your Delta and your interest. And there are others I won't get into because they don't push and pull as much, but mm-hmm. I kind of consider that like the four legs of the table and they all have to exist and they all come together. And then internally, what the software does is it says two things. What is the average of all those that's getting us where we want to be? And then it does linear regression, which if you don't know what that is, it it takes like historical values and tries to plot mathematically. This is not AI or machine learning, mm-hmm. just straight math. Right. And says like, you know, if it's 4,000, then 4,010, then 4,020, the logical next answer is 4,040, you know, just a straight line. Gotcha. The problem with linear regression being if you keep going up, it's going to think it's going to keep going up. And that's where Magic 8-Ball looks at all of those other indicators and metrics to say, would it realistically keep going up or is it going to pull down? And then it does a lot of math in the background to figure that out. Interesting. When you said interest, um, well, I had a couple of questions. When you when you say interest, is that like open interest? Is, is that is what you're looking interest, at? Yeah. Open interest. Yeah. Okay. And then for... These sort of same, they're basically same day predictions mm-hmm. where, uh, you know, throughout the day, as these uh, variables change, then the predictions may alter a little bit. They may adjust if, if there's some uh, about where you think the market may close or where it may, may be going to. How far back is the data that's com- going into that math going? Is it very short term? I'm assuming uh, like one, two days or, or how are, what's the look back period that, that the math uh, uses? Um, that's a loaded question and it depends on <laughs> yeah, what sorry. You're looking at here. Um, yeah. the, the initial models were live data, just zero DT. I actually called it real time. And that, so right. the initial models, that price would swing from 4,000 to 4050 almost instantly. And I was trying right. to figure out why it wasn't until I started talking to some of these other professionals, like specifically uh, Vance Lauren with uh, by the numbers.com. And he taught me of, you know, there's uh, buyers and sellers and how you plot those on a chart. And once I started realizing that I started seeing, Oh, you have to go backwards in time and mm-hmm. 
probably a no brainer for some of your listeners, Yeah, but you have to go backwards in time because people aren't always just zero TTE. They may be buying a weekly or a monthly or even a yearly. Mm-hmm. And those have an effect on the market. So if there's somebody dumps millions of dollars into a, you know, a seven DTE, it's still going to impact your zero DTE while they're in play. Right. So you have to really look at those buying and selling pressures. Yeah. And that's what I was thinking because it, it can't, it couldn't just simply be, okay, start the day and here's what's happening. Um, because then you would start with no data. And and as you said, you probably get like a wild price swing uh, right. as data came right. in. Yeah. And I think from listening, my, my take on that is correct is, or, or your take on that is correct about how uh, the options market can often drive the price because market makers ultimately need to hedge. Right. Uh, so when, when you're for the magic eight ball tool, are you, are you just looking at SPX data, XPX options data and price? So um, I do more than just SPX. I'm doing SPX, SPY, Apple, Tesla, RUT, NDX. I'm, I actually want to do the entire S&P 500. Mm-hmm. But the specific data set for each underlying we're looking at is the real-time quote and then the options chain. And so for the option chain, that is where I really struggle because you have to store all of this data and it gets very large. And so I end up with this huge data set that I got to slog through. So yeah. to kind of answer your question, Really fundamentally, it's the options chain is the key. The quote is helpful because not every API has the actual real-time price, but the options chain has like 99% of the metrics we need. We just have to capture it over time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And the video I watched, there was sort of a guideline, if you will, about the best times to take certain trades that you that you, you sort of seen. I know this is very just kind of like right. very g- general, but... Can you just quickly talk about like, oh, here. Yeah. Can you just quickly talk about um, what are the uh, three types of trades that you see most people using and, and what tends to be that best time of day? Cause um, the time of day is something that, so I trade a lot of credit credit spreads and time of day that you mentioned, I was like, yeah, that's about when I tend to trade them too. So it kind of lined up. So tell me a little bit about the, the, three types of trades that you see people use and, and those times of day? The three types of trades are the butterfly, just a normal butterfly, not a broken wing or anything like that. Mm. Uh, iron condors and then verticals. And when we talk about verticals, we're talking, you put credit spreads and you call credit spreads right. um, and time of day. That's why I was kind of like laughing. I'm like, Oh, here we go. Cause it, it's very uh, controversial because everybody trades differently. So, and I'm flipping over to my log from yesterday um, the overall system accuracy, and this is every single trade this system generates, would go from the time it's made all the way to expiration. There's zero stop loss. And the overall system accuracy for yesterday was 93%. Nice. So of those trades, there was 231 trades the system generated, uh, just for SBX, by the way. Um, so butterflies were 84% accurate. And the iron condors were 100% accurate. And the verticals, your put credits and call credits, those are 97% accurate, meaning you enter the trade and then it runs all the way to expiration. And then it evaluates whether or not it expired full profit. Okay. It gets controversial because like you said, when do you enter? And this is where I talk about other people. So for example, butterflies, I've really worked with Ernie uh, to kind of understand the method to his madness, but butterflies are so complex it's darn near impossible for me to code that in the way he does it. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to 
outright steal what he's doing. So I'm also emulating other people as well. But butterflies, I found the best time to really nail these butterflies is kind of towards the end of the day. But if you watch a butterfly throughout the day, it changes its size. In the morning, they're huge butterflies. And as the day goes on, they narrow down. Mm, yeah. Uh, iron condors are the polar opposite. Those actually primarily emulate uh, Tom from Axe Options. He taught me iron condors. And these things are just huge. And because they're so huge, the premium's low. But they are the most accurate trade because they're just so big. Right. Uh, the best time to get into those usually first thing in the morning and we're talking nine forty-five, ten o'clock. Yeah. And then you just ride that condor throughout the day. But you notice the accuracy on these is typically a hundred percent. So it doesn't really matter what time of day you come in. I've seen people in our group take an iron condor at three o'clock Eastern standard time and they're still profiting. Mm. I wouldn't do that because I don't like that kind of risk. But yeah. Yeah. Hard something. time with the risk when, when they're that wide. Um, yeah. And then verticals, this is something that I've been really micro focusing on lately. I struggled with these. Uh, the initial models were really directionally challenged, meaning it would go, the market's going up and then the market would immediately go down. And you're mm -hmm. like, what just happened? Um, working with, you know, by the numbers, Vance, Halcyon and stuff, they really taught me a lot about how a vertical should function. So I've really trained directional bias into this and shot the accuracy up. The goal of a vertical, you know, put credit spread and a call credit spread is that it simply doesn't matter what time of day you get in. Um, like for example, my, you just trade this morning, too, I got too, in, too wrong, you know, if you're doing right. out of money. Yeah. Yeah. The trade I got in literally this morning was at like nine 45, which is way early for me, but it's already up almost, almost 48% profit just for this morning. Yeah. Um, nice. I'll probably try to ride it till expiration though. We've talked a little bit about how the tool works, um, from like, a you know, a business perspective or technical perspective, what. What were some of the challenges just to get this tool built? Because the, you know, for the listeners, the way this works is you've, you're, it sounds like you're pulling, um, data from thinkorswim and you're running it through, uh, some calculations and then it's putting this out output into your discord server to, you know, specific channel. So what were some of the technical challenges of just getting that to work? Like, how did you even, um, are, are you, <laughs> well, a Discord, be a long like, did you just learn how to code into discord or, um, you know, I know a lot of people use discord for various things. So this was a pretty cool iteration of, of that. So yeah. What were some of the technical hurdles you had to get to, to, to work on, to get this available to others? Cause it's one thing to build it for yourself inside of Excel or whatever, but then to get it to where others can, can see it and read it, you know, that's sometimes can be difficult. Yeah. So I'll, I'll try to keep it as short as possible, but we could talk about this for hours. Um, <laughs> so uh, it, I started in Excel, um, very quickly found that Excel was, well, actually open office, but it's not the right tool for the job. This is just too complex and I need it to be real time and fast. So then I converted it to a Python application. Um, well, it's not true. I started with C++ because that's what I love, but most of your listeners are like, I don't care. Uh, but I switched to Python just because it's faster and easier to code with. Um, also integrated a lot of machine learning. Like I said, found out that just wasn't working, ripped all that out. But the initial hurdles were I was actually screenshotting the console output and posting it into Axe Options and going, mm -hmm. hey, guys, do you think this looks like remotely accurate? And Axe was super friendly and they're like, no, that doesn't look accurate at all. Or they're like, why don't you try this or that? And they really helped me tweak it a little bit on how an investor thinks because I'm a developer. Right. And then 
I thought, you know, wouldn't it be cool if I could just post this automatically into Discord? And that's when I integrated with the Discord API. Mm. Um, and now most of it's fully automated. I can just walk away and it just does its thing. Right. That's the cool. biggest challenge I think though is uh, like you touched on pulling the data from Thinkorswim. Um, their API is absolute horrible. And so I looked at other APIs and I found out very quickly that not every API is created equally. So if you're pulling information from say E-Trade and you pull it from Thinkorswim, you're going to, even though you're pulling the same underlying at the same time, you're going to have two different sets of data. They'll be similar, but they're not exactly correct or perfect with each other. Right. So now the, the trick comes, which one's more accurate. And that's the quest I'm going on is I've, I've integrated with, I think like five different vendors and I'm just trying to figure out the best one. Um, the other challenge of yeah. course is like Thinkorswim is actually in the process of merging with Charles Schwab and I they've know. said very publicly that their API will stop working. Your yeah. application will stop and you're just kind of screwed and they will do it without warning. So yeah. I, 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 don't I, them. I was just talking about that with uh, one of my members the other day. Um, we're, we have some mechanical strategies that we're trying to automate. So um, we're, he, he, I should say he, he's creating um, some bots to trade in your thinkorswim account based on these strategies. And it uses that API. So that was one of the things like, Oh, I hope we don't build this thing. And then they totally yank it on us. But I, we, I did read the, um, the announcement and it looked like they would still be some kind of Schwab API. I don't know. We'll, we'll see how that goes. And I know tasty trade is, um, uh, they, they have some, uh, an API in work, uh, that I think some people that I know are trying out. I think that's more for creating your trading strategies. I don't know if you're pulling data from there. Right. Right. Um, yeah, getting, it's funny about SPX, um, SPX data is, is getting that is, kind of difficult because it's not, it's its own thing, you know, it's from the, right. The CBOE. And, and I know uh, I've, I've, I was buying data from them for a while and I tried to do their subscription and, and I was real, I wasn't even getting options pricing. It was really just data and I was paying, you know, a few bucks a month. And then there was some rule change that said, you had to, now it's, you have to have this other subscription if you want it. And it was like, it jumped to like a thousand dollars a month just for SPX, just to have any kind of SPX subscription. And, um, so it was, it's, uh, it's, it's not easy getting that stuff organized and into a system for other people to use it. So, uh, kudos to you for, for getting that built. Uh, so, so looking forward, what are some of the things that you think you, you know, where do you want to go with this? Are you going to try to expand it out? You mentioned having more tickers. Are there any other analysis techniques or timeframes that you're thinking about? What, what, what's the, what's your next step here? There's, there's really two answers to that. There's a business aspect and a technical aspect. Um, we'll do technical first, I guess. Um, I want to build a website. So it has like real time charting. I mean, we're talking right down to the second, you know, watching that chart move. Mm-hmm. Um, I also want to, uh, take the existing code and chop it into multiple programs so it can live on multiple servers across a distributed server farm. Uh, that way, if one aspect of the program goes down, the other aspects will come in and just, you know, continue working and I don't have to worry about downtime. Yeah. Um, from a business perspective though, uh, well, I should say from technical, I also want like alerting and notification paging, things like that. So if you're driving down the road, you'll get a text message, Hey, buy SPX now. Uh, business, I, I suck at marketing and business. I am not a marketing business guy. Um, 
I haven't actually marketed this at all other than throwing a couple of videos out on my YouTube channel. So I want to, you know, learn some business stuff and I want to pull in other developers. That was the goal from this right from the beginning. It wasn't just me doing this in a bubble, but actually pulling in a bunch of developers that we trust and then kind of saying, okay, guys, let's build something beautiful. That everybody can use. Yeah. Um, that's why I have, you know, two versions of this, the paid version and the free version. I'm just trying to attract other people that would be interested in this kind of stuff. Yeah. No, that's cool. And just for the listeners, the free versions, um, I think is, I think is really helpful. It's, uh, the, it, the data comes out. Was it every 30 minutes? It mm-hmm. updates its SPX prediction for the day. You don't get all the trades and things, but I think that's, you know, the, I don't think the intent is for everyone to take 300 trades a day. Um, for the, you know, when they, 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 <laughs> they put those out, but it's, I like seeing them. It's interesting to see what the system is putting out and where some of those strikes are selected. And um, I'm, I'm still in observation mode and trying to incorporate it with my training, but um, I think it's, I think it's pretty cool. Um, so where is the best way for people to connect with you? I'm going to put your YouTube channel um, and discord channels there. Is that the best place for people to go is just on discord and YouTube? Honestly, for your listeners, I would say check out the free version first. I mean, it's very okay. scaled down, uh, but it's you don't need a credit card or anything. You just log into Discord and boom, there it is. Um, so they can get a feel for the charts and stuff like that. But, um, you know, disclaimer, the free version is very quiet. You know, maybe one person a day will chat versus the the paid version. Sometimes I can't even keep up with all the chatting and on there. It, yeah. it gets nuts. Yeah, and I, for years I've been um avoiding discord because it's just <laughs> it is so noisy so I I I had to I had to figure out how to mute everything because it was just constantly making noise and oh yeah I probably had joined too many groups I joined a few groups because I wanted to just see how discord worked you know just more of from a, a user perspective and but I I'm a I cleaned my account up and I'm now I'm only members of a handful and yours is yours is, I'm a member of both but I'm in the paid one as well. And, um, yeah, it's not too bad. Once you learn how to mute everything, if it's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's not that bad. Well, Brian, this was awesome. Um, again, congrats on the tool. I'm looking forward to seeing where this goes. And, um, I think definitely people should check it out. At least go check out the free version. And again, check out his video on YouTube and, um, hope, hopefully we'll catch up soon. Awesome. Thanks for having me. 